Hello, welcome to Riot Act. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. You are, aren't you? Yes, I am Sir Renfrey Deadman, I believe, yeah. Want to prove that? Uh, I've got some ID, I yeah, think. I um, oh, will have to see that. Okay. Uh, That's, uh, oh, you oh, dropped it. Don't worry about it. You've dropped it. Put your <laughs> stupid wallet back. I'll believe you fine. Just this one time, yeah? Um, this is the... <laughs> Weird, Welcome to Club Riot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, this Bounces is a Rioters review. So, if you are listening to this on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast, for those of you who aren't, um, thanks very much for contributing something. Thank you. All. Um, to our podcast and us as a as a as a pairing as a as a business. As a pairing. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, why'd you say it like that? Uh, just Passive, <laughs> wasn't it? Passive aggressive. <laughs> It's fine. Pairing's good, yeah. Yeah, like, what would you call it? Well, I was going to say couple, but then I realised, no, that doesn't, yeah. That's not better. Yeah. Okay, should we move on? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening to this on Patreon, and you've paid some money, and um, a special thank you to Elliot Holt, who has done that. Thanks, Elliot. And he's the man who has suggested the album that we are going to be talking about today. So, Which is? Hold on. Oh. Uh, well, because I was going to say, if you aren't listening to it oh, on Patreon, then um, why don't you come over to Patreon and you can do what Elliot did and suggest an album. And we'll talk about it if you'd like to hear us talk about any particular album. We only want, you know, a little bit of, little bit of snuff, don't we? A little bit of snuff? <laughs> when you say snuff, you mean money, don't you? Not I mean drugs. money. I don't mean just, drugs just and I don't mean films of people getting killed. No. Uh, definitely not. Don't want that. Um, got enough of them. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so Elliot suggested Frank Turner's England Keep My Bones, which is what we're going to talk about now. Now, Renfrey. Hello. Um, good suggestion. You were quite adamant about doing this one, I have to say. Yeah. So I assume from your point of view, this is a an important and well, record to you. I think it's a good one because it's an interesting turning point in Frank Turner's career in that it's the point I think where not not even so much musically but just in terms of you know this is the album cycle where he played Wembley Arena yeah and sold out Wembley Arena you know playing like that, with Scroobius Pip and uh Billy Bragg you know supporting him yeah and um uh Beans on Toast and this Did is, he do Wembley Stadium with Green Day around this time? It would have been, I believe, I think it was like a year after Wembley Arena. Wembley Arena was 2012, 13th of April 2012, if I recall, from my T-shirt, because I was there. Uh, yeah. I didn't see him with Green Day. Uh, I think it was, uh, I feel like it was earlier with Green Day for some reason. Maybe, maybe you're right. I saw him support Green Day at Brixton Academy mm-hmm. when they did Dookie in full. Um, but, um, there was a lot of things that were happening around this time for him in terms of, he played his thousandth show just before the Wembley Arena, uh, gig, um, in a car park in East London, uh, near Shoreditch, which I was also at for Stromerville, Joe Stromer Festival. Um, but I also feel like it's the point where everyone started to have an opinion on Frank Turner. Right. Because I think it's the point where you couldn't... You know when artists get to a point where you can't escape them? Yeah. I think I Still Believe, which was a song, which originally, it is on this record, but it actually, it was kind of an in-between uh, album song in that it originally appeared on an EP called Rock and Roll. 
I still believe. You know the song I'm talking about. Hear ye, hear ye, friends yeah. and gun. And, you know, it's one of his biggest songs. It's certainly a song that turns him onto a um, different audience, I guess. A less punk-orientated audience, I suppose. Mm-hmm. A more mainstream audience. A, a, an audience that I don't think, at, in the early days of Frank Turner anyone was expecting him to ever reach least of all himself well i'll tell you what just as a sort of an interesting aside to that i've got a mate who plays uh kind of the acoustic guitar quite badly i have to say he won't listen to this so it's fine i'm not gonna say who it is. <laughs> he's not talking about me are you no no i'm not talking about you <laughs> um and and he was going oh you know i really like whatever fucking sort of acoustic guitar wielding person was in the you know the mainstream at that time and i said to him oh you should listen to frank turner right and um and he was oh, i don't know who that is i won't like it if you like it because he likes some fucking right old dross and i bought him this i bought him this for christmas i bought him this album ah, okay um and he came back and was like oh my god i love it that's fucking great and he was so and he is a person who has got absolutely a no interest or b no context whatsoever with punk rock yeah like yeah. none at all so I was like, it's weird that the guy from Knee Jerk is now being listened mm-hmm. to by, you know, someone who owns Daniel Beddingfield's album. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Should Frank Turner do... from Knee Jerk, isn't it? it yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. From Knee Jerk and... Um... You you know him from Million Dead, <laughs> but I know him from Knee Jerk because I'm way more punk than you. <laughs> Hashtag MySpace. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking so... way, that was before MySpace, mate. Uh, I, re- I, re- I remember I first heard Knee Jerk on MySpace. But okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so a little bit of background for anyone who doesn't know. Um, yes, Frank Turner used to be in Knee Jerk, which not many people know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Million Dead, who I... I don't know I don't know your thoughts on Million Dead, really. They're all right. Okay, I, I adore Million Dead. I think they're brilliant. I don't want to sound like... And I know I will, so I'm going to preface this with that I don't want to sound like this, but I will. But because... The Knee Jerk and Abjaw split EP mm. that I bought when my band supported um, were the first band on in, on a three-band bill when Knee Jerk was second and Frank mm. Turner was fronting uh, Knee Jerk and playing bass. And I bought... They were so good. They're one of the bands I was like, this is one of the best bands I've ever seen. Oh, right. Like, cool. like British bands in a pub. And they played the Oxford Wheat Sheaf and I bought their split with Abjaw. And it is fucking unbelievable cool. like, unbelievable that is incredible and because of that i re- like i was like oh i want to hear his new band and uh, i just didn't like it as much so God, you're so punk um, not, I'm not saying I'm, <laughs> yeah well you know i mean guilty as charged but um yeah i love i love million dead because to me they are like Soundgarden mixed with black flag which just sounds perfect to me especially on their second record which actually most people go to a song to ruin which is their debut um as the classic million dead i, I think harmony no harmony is way superior i fucking love it but should yeah. go back to million dead probably with fresh yeah, ears I we think will I do should. that we will do that at some point definitely because i think they're a wonderful wonderful band but anyway million dead um disbanded just before million dead disbanded frank started doing a few sort of solo shows here and there but it certainly wasn't you know a priority and then um when million dead disbanded uh he kind of came out and said well i'm gonna do this as my main thing now and i think secretly um the general consensus this was around 2006 2007 I think secretly, generally, the consensus was, what, that guy who shouts over 
punky hardcore from Million Dead is going to come out and do a Bob Dylan. Yeah. Air. And if people what people weren't laughing at him, you know, uh, uh, face-to-face kind of thing but i think people were kind of like okay okay mate you get your bob dylan thing out of your system yeah and then you come you know come back and you'll be in another hardcore band or million mm. dead or reform or whatever and obviously that is not what happened um within uh, sleepers for the week is his debut album and it which came is out- my favorite can i just say i i, I really really like i that's probably the only frank turner album that i really listen to a, i don't even listen to it a lot but it's the only one that i listen to the one I listen to the most regularly and yeah. it's my favourite. I would probably agree with you. Both Sleepers for the Week and Love Iron Song have a very strong uh, place in my heart. Um, primarily, I'm not going to go into this for too long, but just just a little bit of background. I, um, I was actually um, influ- very strongly influenced by Frank Turner to go out and do sort of solo acoustic music myself. Mm-hmm. So I was in a band when I moved to London around, it would have been around 2007, around this time. Um, and I had a massive fight with the guitarist who I was with at the time, came home and um, I'd ordered Campfire Punk Rock, which was his debut EP yeah. on CD. And it was just waiting for me there. And I put it on and it's 16 minutes long. And by the end of the 16 minutes, I was just like, there's no reason whatsoever why I can't go out and do this by myself. Yeah. So I did for five or six years. Um, and um, I think at this time, right, like before Frank became very, very, very big, it felt like he was singing directly about um, me, basically. Frank Turner is a couple of years older than me. Yeah. Um, I had just moved to London. He was singing songs like The Real Damage. Real Damage is basically about going around to someone's house and getting absolutely wrecked and then waking up on a sofa in the morning and not having a clue where you are. Mm. And I was 23 at the time when I was listening to that and that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> and I just moved to London. And To be fair, you could have written that today. It's still irrelevant to your life, really, wouldn't it? Let's be fair. <sighs> Burn. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh wow he's got him <laughs> by the short and curlies but um, I think I, I, I was one of those people who I mean I, I think around that time I probably saw Frank Turner once a month <laughs> once every two months really wow probably because because he was just playing in London so frequently and if I was uh, if I was free I'd go it's as simple as that and you know it was most of the gigs were free or six quid to get in and you went in with 50 or so other people got pissed and sung along to a bunch of songs which you really liked and i just i just really loved what he was doing and enjoyed that whole kind of thing and then within five years he's headlining wembley arena this is the album that he did it with it's unbelievable it is that that is an unbelievable story isn't it and i wanted a rare kind of thing to happen well i wanted to give this context because like I say, this is the album where people um, start to have very strong views on Frank Turner one way or, or the other. And I just want to defend Frank from the point of view that whatever you think of his music, and if you don't like it, fair enough, I totally get it. You know, I, 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 there's some Frank stuff that I love and some Frank stuff that I'm not particularly bothered by. Mm. But this is a man who, in this day and age got from pubs to Wembley Arena and is continuing to do arenas now. He is, as yeah. we're recording this, he has just played Alexandra Palace, sold out Alexandra Palace yeah. a couple of days ago. Yeah. 
um, quote unquote, the right way, you know, not by getting any favors, not by getting any big jumps or big pushes. He was on a, you know, he was still on a uh, independent label when this album came out, Extra Mile Records, Mm -hmm. and kept, he only switched to Polydor on his sixth album, which was a, a couple of years later than this you know and he could have switched way earlier if he had wanted to um and he played i mean i think i saw frank in every massive london venue so i saw him you know at the roundhouse at uh proud galleries at brixton academy at the forum at hammersmith apollo he did them all you know and he properly he did what you're supposed to do, in my opinion, and made his way up the ranks. And, you know... Like people used to do. Like people used to do, exactly. Yeah. And and whatever you think about Frank Turner these days, something that I will say about he's an amazing, amazing, amazing live performer. And the reason for that is because he has played so many shows. Um, he actually keeps a count of how many shows he's played on his website. And as of this recording... That Alexander Palace show that we just talked about is his 2309th show. Fucking hell. That's a lot, isn't it? Since 2006. Jesus. Now, to put that into perspective, Metallica haven't played that many shows since 1981. U2 haven't played that many shows since the 70s they formed, late 70s, U2. You're the U2 expert. Um, I've not checked it, but I doubt Maiden have played that many shows. Like... It is the work ethic. Feed the Rhino played that many times. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? We'll see. I'm going to have to check that. The work ethic <clears throat> cannot be denied. Whether you like the guy or not. I and, and I think this is just something, when I hear criticisms of Frank, I feel that people are forgetting that this is a guy who did it. I mean, I... I, I I, I keep going back to that the right way, quote unquote, but he did it the way that it should be done. And, and, and as a result, like if you saw him now, even if you hated his material, it would be very difficult to walk away from his live show going, well, he's not very good at playing live, is he? He's not very good at whipping up a crowd. He's, he's done it so much that he knows mm. he really is a very, very impressive live His hands must be sore. His hands must be sore. It must be. Imagine how rough his hands are. <laughs> He's got lots of calluses on those things. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's, let's get into it. 6th of June 2011, this album was released. Um, England Keep My Bones. Now, uh, like I said, I bought this for my mate and I think I gave it at the time because I, I you know, thought I quite like Frank Turner. I thought I'm going to buy this for him and I didn't actually own it myself. Right. Um, so I basically bought it, burnt it, and then gave it to him you cheeky, cheeky little bugger bastard, isn't he? I know. i'm gonna make sure this gets to frank frank's ears and uh and he will well, t- why would you do that okay <laughs> i still fucking bought it do you know what i mean well i've got to buy two copies somebody right. wouldn't even have bought it in right. 2011 they frank's just... lawyers will be in touch um all those all those years ago you bonded over the knee jerk stuff and now now look at you yeah buying his music <laughs> okay fine anyway so i bought it i burnt it and so yeah so um uh i listened to it uh you know a little bit before actually um handing it over and i remember at the time being a bit like 
I liked this stuff when it was one line drawing and mm-hmm. that always felt super um, unpolished. And I, because it's weird, because I don't think his album is polished. Yeah, I don't think it is either. It's not polished, but it just felt there was a level of professionalism to it. Yes. That I wasn't used to. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying. I suppose that comes from playing shit loads of shows and writing shit loads of music. Yeah. Which those artists like Jonah, Matranga, mm. um, uh, Matt, what's his name from the Get Up Kids? Did Matt Pryor did uh, some of this stuff as yeah. well. Vinnie Karuna. Uh, Vinnie Karuna. From the movie Life. Um, All those guys. Kevin Devine, I guess, to an extent. Yeah. Those guys, I think, I think because Frank did it so much, I suppose that's maybe maybe i don't know maybe the downside of doing something so much becoming so good that it becomes a slightly more polished version because you're right it's not it's not um it's not right to say that this is polished and produced you know no, no, with, a, with a commercial sheen or anything no like that, it just it felt is. more i don't know grander yeah, I think it was grander fair. than the sort of the earlier stuff, which was just literally like here's a guy yeah. recording himself, you know, Mike on the guitar, Mike on the mouth. Well, I suppose at this point, this was the point where he finally named his band. So he named them the Sleeping Souls. Um, they'd been a band of sorts for a few years, certainly on his previous record, Poetry of the Deed. I believe they were all there. They certainly were all there touring with him i remember seeing him at shepherd's bush empire and they were definitely all there um but i suppose he'd started forming a band round love iron song um out of an old oxford band called dive dive i don't know if you ever played with dive dive okay um but he basically took on dive dive and then um added matt nasir on keyboards and they became the sleeping souls and and i suppose i think poetry of the deed is probably probably the first record where it felt like Frank was now backed by a band. But yeah. I think this is where the first record where he settled into being backed by a band, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's still a few solo-y bits and pieces on it, but for the most part, there's a lot of um, extra instrumentation and stuff like that. Um, like on songs like Peggy Sang the Blues. And um, I mean, if you go to Glory Hallelujah, there's like a whole backing choir and all sorts mm. of things. Um but yes, I think it's I think it's the first time where he felt settled with uh, his backing musicians and so on and so forth. That's what I hear anyway. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, that's just sort of my uh, initial recollections of it from back in the day. Mm. Going back to it now, it's um, it's quite impressive how like I I, th- I do like this record. I think it's good actually. It's, I, yeah. I like it a lot more than I remember liking it before because it was at this point where I was a bit like. I was never a massive Frank Turner fan. I was mm. never massively like interested in uh, this in him hugely. I've got to admit, but I and I do remember hearing this and being like, oh, I don't know, really. But I do actually think it's so, you know he's got a very unique voice, definitely. And on this, it's very you know like someone I was listening to it the other day and someone just w- walked past and was like, Is that Frank Turner, and I was like, yeah, mm. who I wouldn't expect to mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh yeah, I like this. Yeah, it's good. Mm. And it's got like. It's very English, like yep. very, very obviously, you yep. know, it's kind of, it's conceptually meant to be an English sounding record. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I think, I think once he went back and once he was like looking over, uh, trying to find a title for it, he realised that there was a lot about um, death and, and England. Yeah. Hence England Keep My Bones being mm. the title, mm. which mm. is a quote from Shakespeare, yep. King John. 
and so you know uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that I think there's some really really good songs on this uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of songs which still pepper his set now like right. Wessex Boy yeah. I Still Believe is obviously massive Peggy mm-hmm. Sangler Blues he sings a lot yeah. um, uh, I'm just looking at the track listing um, Rivers is still on there a lot I'm Disappeared and these are all, I think these are all really good songs. It is a proper, and it's funny you say that you like it more now than you did then. I don't know if by this point, so Frank had released four records, four studio albums in five years. Plus he'd released a B-Sides album as well. And like, there was a lot, I'd heard a lot of Frank by this point. Yeah. And I think I was kind of a bit Frank Turner out around this point. Yeah. And I was very proud of him, you know, playing Wembley and stuff like that. But I remember quite defiantly after he played Wembley Arena feeling like I needed a break yeah. from Frank Turner. Um, Cause I'd seen him a lot at that point. Um, and it is only going back to this record a few years later that I realized how good it is. I think it's actually potentially one of his best albums. Mm. Um, certainly in terms, certainly objectively, I think it's one of his best records. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I think like the composition of it, I mean, it, it feels much more, dare I say it, it feels like for me, it was the first time it, it's where I can, I can, I go, okay, well that's, Frank, you know, Frank Turner, the the guy with an acoustic guitar playing pubs, and then Frank Turner, the actual professional yeah. musician. Like which is that's... why, which is why it's an interesting record because yeah. this is this is pretty much the point mm. where Poetry of the Deed definitely had beginnings of it, but he was still finding his feet a little bit in terms of turning from that I don't know folk, folk troubadour one man and his guitar thing to professional uh touring massively touring music uh, museum <laughs> musician you know um and yeah i think this is the point where it's like okay this is no turning back now this is yeah. what it is what yeah, frank yeah. is now yeah that's good and also what's interesting about it is it was released worldwide on epitaph as well yeah you know epitaph we all go oh yeah good epitaph yeah good love epitaph but in 2011 through to kind of 2000 12 13 hmm. epitaph was a bit of a shithole wasn't mm-hmm. it really yeah let's be yeah, honest yeah um that fallen in reverse album fashionably oh God, late yeah. that came out on epitaph yeah. and that being a right old shit storm and when you think epitaph was like ronnie radke and frank turner i can't think you can really get two more different people can you <laughs> when you think these albums probably came out so this came out in june 2011 i believe off the top of my head that uh, fallen in reverse fashionably late came out either late 2012 or maybe early 2013. Right. So that's like about a 15, 16 month period mm-hmm. where you've gone from this guy to that. And I remember the shitstorm that old Fallen in Reverse got from proper punks. And you can understand why, because it's pretty horrific. Um, but yeah, it's weird to think where someone like this would fit on yeah. Epitaph in 2011. As, a, as an old school hardened punk yourself, who's had a few uh, <laughs> controversial opinions, um, how do you feel about the accusations leveled at Frank Turner? Everything well, that, that I he's not a punk and all this. And all that bullshit. Everything that I uh, have clearly, you know, defended towards the beginning of this podcast. I don't really understand... Okay, I do. Under- I mean, I was going to say I don't really understand it. I kind of do understand it. 
it's 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 a class war, isn't it? Yes, I agree. But a, a big thing that is brought up constantly is his Etonian education, which mm. he got on a scholarship. Blah, blah blah. As if that has anything to do with the music that he writes. It's well, so stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of get it. I mean, there are certain people um, who have a bit of a chip on their shoulder regarding like what punk should mean and what it should come from and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people, they don't want to acknowledge that, you know, uh, the sort of, like the, the Rolling Stones went to art college and were quite mm-hmm. affluent. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like people don't want to go, no, a street fighting man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what they were. Yeah. And I think it's all well and good. If, if, if Frank Turner had carried on doing Million Dead or he'd carried on doing Knee Jerk, mm-hmm. I don't think it ever would have been brought up. Of course. Because he wouldn't be playing Wembley Arena no. and he wouldn't be holding an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It was a, it's a combination of those two. It's a combination of two things, isn't it? It's a combination of the fact that it doesn't look like... Are those people who say, oh, I'm really punk because, you know, I've got a fucking paramour tattoo or whatever. Mm. Like, do they know what Billy Bragg stands for? I doubt it. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Do they know anything about the fall? You know, do they actually know really about punk rock? Or do they just like um, like noise and American yeah. stuff? Yeah. Like, that's, uh, you know, like it, it, the, the kind of... the. The, the sort of the Americanization, like punk invented, this sounds like a shitty thing to say because punk is the, like the birthplace of, uh, America is the birthplace of punk, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, the Stooges and the Ramones, et cetera, et cetera, like it is. I know we might have turned it into a commercial monolith over here and and sort of defined the look of punk rock, but certainly punk rock is an American invention. And, um, but I think the kind of the, the overt Americanization of what is now considered punk rock where you know like idols had the same thing leveled at them like you're not a punk band because you don't sound like this band who are very explicitly american hardcore stroke american pop punk stroke american you know garage lands like mid wasteland punk like you know there seems to be this idea that britain's not allowed being british just doesn't seem like a very punk thing anymore Mm. and it's like the Gallo, Idols Gallo's thing. were the last one. The Idols thing is a very interesting show. I've never considered Idols and Frank Turner being similar in that sense, but I actually think, I don't, you know, they're not music. They come from very different ends of the punk spectrum, but I, they are. They have mm. had the same accusations leveled at them, and in my opinion, they're both nonsense, probably mm. for different reasons. But you know, it's total fucking idiocy. It's opinion. the same thing. It's when someone starts playing Wembley, then all these things that weren't brought up before will start getting brought up. Yeah, um, it was, and it was around. No this one time. had a problem with Ghost when Ghost were third down on uh, like the Metal Hammer Golden Gods. Mm-hmm. Do you know, that it was fine then. They were this cool underground band, and then well, right, once they're headlining Bloodstock, once they're headlining Wembley, once they're playing yeah. with Metallica, okay, now we can go. Well, they're stupid. They just dress up and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Like as soon as you get success, that's when people who are completely ignorant to your past yeah. start yeah. mouthing off about you. You're absolutely right. Just to play devil's advocate, and it is devil's advocate because my opinions on it are quite clear, as you can t- hear. Um, I suppose with this album and with I still believe in particular that song that it, it, this was the point where you couldn't if you turned on the radio you would likely hear like i still believe was playlisted a lot on the right, radio okay. and it was difficult to escape frank turner and i think when it becomes difficult to escape artists that's when people turn because before then you don't give a flying shit 
they're not mm. on your radar mm. but once they encringe on your radar and you can't get them off your radar that's when you get fucked off about yeah. it and i and i do understand that to a degree but of course that's not that's not the be, same as going is this person punk rock no exactly and, al- and, al- and also as an artist or a musician you would be crazy to be like oh stop playing my single because some people are getting annoyed yeah, <laughs> like, it's just fucking madness yeah it'd be, rid- um, yeah, it'd be so, ridiculous yeah. but yeah but it's a certainly an interesting record it's much better than i remember it being when i first listened to it i have to say um it's you know the, what i remembered it from last time was being like it's super folky it's it, kind of acousticness and then there's this which is old school folk which i was always like he really um really embraced that with this record i think particularly on english curse yeah which is the song that he sings um full set full set acapella acapella thank you um so it's just just him uh he used I can to, still do without that if i'm honest i i uh I, he used to do it live and i quite liked it live because he would genuinely get i remember seeing i don't think it was english curse he did but he did an acapella song at shepherd's bush empire sold out and i remember not a single person talked and it was quite amazing mm. um it i don't think it needed to be on the record i have to say um but uh, I think it was cool that he explored that and wanted to look into that heritage yeah. and dive deep into it. And I think he dove deep into it before this record, but mm. wanted to properly acknowledge it and go, yeah. this is where this shit comes from. And as well, talking about punk, like punk rock, that was the sort of punk rock of the day. You know, folk music was 100%. working class protest music. And you can go 100%. like, wow, Frank Town's not working class, whatever. But it's the same thing with, you know, the the early days of rock and roll in the US. Like, you know, that's what's fed into um, into what then became punk rock. It's the same attitude. It's just, it's punk rock before punk rock ever existed. So, you know, it makes sense to me that somebody would want to um, sort of lean into that. Although it's not sonically something that I'm particularly fussed about, I have to say. That's fair enough. But yeah. That's fair enough. But I, you know, I like my mum likes all that shit. I was fucking double-headed. Um, <laughs> anyway but anyway it's a good it's a good suggestion elliot uh congratulations on your choice it's been it's been a pretty interesting chat that that was frank turner england keep my bones as i said before you can go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you're listening to this just uh over of a weekday when we put it up sometime in the future um just to contribute if you've got something you desperately 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 want us to dissect and chat about then i'm sure we will do that looking at the list in front of me right now fuck me it's a long minute it's a long ass list it is two um, and a half pages and the font is relatively small. It is, isn't it? Bloody hell. Some good ones in here, though. There's some really good ones, yeah. Good ones in here. Um, I will definitely be suggesting that we do uh, Indestructible by Rancid, which is another pick by Elliot. So fucking fair Well, that's thing. why it we, will probably go down the list a little bit. Yeah, but yes. Sorry, mate. I, I was repping for you, Elliot. Elliot, then, but, like, we love you and we're very happy that you've given us money, but we can't have your suggestions every single time. So, okay. Yeah. But all right, we'll do my scene then. That's a good pick as well. Nice. There's a lot of... There's Mongol Hoyle and a Million Dead here. Renfrey, I can't help feeling that you've had something to do with it. I've had fuck your all to do with it, mate. In, or that your fingerprints are all over this. I've had fuck all to do with okay, it. Okay, fair enough. I promise. I, I believe you. All right, well, but anyway, I thank you very much. Um, um, if you have contributed and if you haven't thanks for listening anyway we appreciate it and if you want to then like i say patreon.com forward slash right podcast feel free to do that we'll see you very very soon cheery bye cheery bye